0: You would please open your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, Old Testament book. You say, are we starting a study of Jeremiah? No, but we're going to be looking at a passage in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is one of my favorite books in the Bible, and not because it's fun, but because it is very, very important. Jeremiah chapter 32. Now, in order to get the scene here, Jeremiah is in prison. And he is allowed to receive visitors. And in this chapter, he's going to receive a a visitor who's a relative of his. But the reason Jeremiah is in prison is because God speaks to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah even when he doesn't want to, says what God tells him to say. And that's how he ended up in prison. He ended up in prison because the message that God had given him was a message that sounded like treason. It sounded as if he was saying... God is bringing judgment on our nation and a foreign king who worships demons is God's instrument to punish us for our repeated sin. Well, that was not a popular message. Jeremiah didn't like it either, but he knew what God told him. And so he said what God told him to say. And people hated him for it. Some people tried to kill him. So here he is in prison. Because God has told him that foreign king is going to take over the land. The people are going to be slaughtered. Some of them taken off as prisoners to to that guy's foreign country. And that the judgment of God, as the message goes on, because he's given various parts of the puzzle at different times, they're going to be in that foreign land for 70 years. You know that verse about, I know I have the the plans that I have for you, the one that everybody loves? The one that American Christians want to put on a little plaque and, you know, it's a beautiful verse. It's a wonderful promise. The context of that promise is God says in 70 years, I'm going to make things better. 70 years, that's a long time. Yeah, I don't think I'll be here in 70 years. Okay? I certainly hope I won't. But I'll tell you this, some of you won't be here in 70 years. Oh no, I'm young. I'm only, you know, 14 years old. I'll be around when I'm 88. It's a long time, isn't it? You might be around when you're 88, but you might not. Understand? And God's saying, that's when I'm going to turn it around. After 70 years of exile, I'm going to bring my people back to this land. Meanwhile, the city's going to be destroyed. Tons of people are going to die. It's going to be really bad. Okay, that's the context. You've got to understand that if you want to understand Jeremiah 32. Now... This is God's word. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. The army of the king of Babylon was then besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah. Now Zedekiah, king of Judah, had imprisoned him there, saying, why do you prophesy as you do? You say, this is what the Lord says. I'm about to hand this city over to the king of Babylon, and he will capture it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, will not escape out of the hands of the Babylonians, but will certainly be handed over to the king of Babylon and will speak with him face to face and see him with his own eyes. He will take Zedekiah to Babylon, where he will remain until I deal with him, declares the Lord. If you fight against the Babylonians, you will not succeed. That's the message? We're supposed to surrender. To this foreign king, he doesn't even believe in God. We at least believe in God. I mean, we don't do what he says, but we believe in him. Okay? Sounded all like America. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Hannibal, son of Shalom, your uncle, is going to come to you and say, buy my field at Anatoth because as the nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. Then, just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, buy my field at Anatoth in the territory of Benjamin, since it is your right to redeem it and possess it. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field at Anatoth from my cousin Hanamel and weighed out for him 17 shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed, and weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions, as well as the unsealed copy, and I gave this deed to Baruch, son of Nariah, the son of Messiah, in the presence of my cousin Hanamel and of the witnesses who had signed the deed and of all the Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard. In their presence, I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Take these documents, both the sealed and the unsealed copy of the deeds of purchase, put them in a clay jar so they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. After I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment of, for the father's sins on the, into the laps of their children after them. O oh, great and powerful God. Whose name is the Lord Almighty? Great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to all the ways of men. You reward everyone according to his conduct and as his deeds deserve. You performed miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day, both in Israel and among all mankind, and have gained the renown that is still yours. You brought your people Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. You gave them this land you had sworn to give their forefathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. They came in and took possession of it, but they did not obey you or follow your law. They did not do what you commanded them to do, so you brought all this disaster upon them. See how the siege ramps are built up to take the city? Because of the sword, famine, and plague, the city will be handed over to the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you said has happened, as you now see, And though the city will be handed over to the Babylonians, you, O sovereign Lord, said to me, buy the field with silver and have the transaction witnessed. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. So say, wait, wait, aren't you going to finish the chapter? I want you to finish the chapter. Meanwhile, I want to zero in on the part that God put on my heart for us today. Jeremiah is a prisoner suffering because of his obedience to God and his faithful proclamation of the truth. God has given him a message, and the king recaps what that message is. You're saying this whole thing is about to collapse and I'm going to be carried off as a prisoner. Yep. God said that, so I told you. And you are so sure of that that you're willing to suffer the rejection of your fellow citizens... Be treated as an enemy of the people and be in prison because you're so sure that that's what's going to happen? Yes. Can you understand in that setting why it would be shocking, disorienting, confusing to get a word from the Lord you're supposed to buy some real estate? There, in the place that's about to be destroyed? I mean, why, why? Why? Here's a man who knew the voice of God. He was practiced at listening to God and saying what God says. And he risked his life to do so. But when he gets this message, it didn't make any sense. I want you to look, the NIV translation here messes up by leaving out a word that ought to be there. It's there in the New American Standard, which is a more literal translation. It's there in the ESV, which is often a more literal translation. It's there in the CSB, It's there in the KJV, King James Version. It's there in the New Living Translation. Why would the NIV leave it out? Well, maybe when they update, they'll fix that. No, they didn't. This is the 1984 NIV. The new NIV leaves out this word as well. What what word are we talking about? It's the word then. Then. Uh, where? Verse 8? Look at verse 8. Then, just as the oh, it's there. No, that's not where we're talking about. Then, just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, buy my field at Anatoth in the territory of Benjamin. Since it is your right to redeem it and possess it, buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field. There's a second then in there. Well, Why does it matter? Because if you were Jeremiah, you get this word from the Lord that your cousin's going to come and offer you the opportunity to buy the field, and mm, that doesn't make any sense. But then just as the Lord said, your cousin shows up and gives you the opportunity to buy the field. And says it's your duty to do so. You've got limited resources. You're not exactly earning a good living in prison. You know that the whole place is going south. You talk about recession. This is worse than that. And you're supposed to take some of your silver and buy a piece of property that you don't want, you don't need, and you'll never get to enjoy. Why? That doesn't make any sense at all. If the reason I'm in prison is because this whole place is about to be wrecked, and we're already under siege, I mean, the handwriting is on the wall, so to speak, another biblical illusion, then, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. But then his cousin shows up, just as God said. And his cousin says just what God said he was going to say. Jeremiah says, then I knew this is the word of the Lord. Now, it still doesn't make any sense to him. That's why after he does the business deal, he's going to go to the Lord and he prays and he says, God, you are great. You've done this, you've done this, you've done this. We worship you, you're worthy. We're the ones who've sinned. The reason we're in this mess is because we've sinned. I'm not blaming you for any of that stuff. But God, the reason I'm here is because you told me, look at it. Verse 24, see how the siege ramps are built up to take the city? Because of the sword, famine and plague. By the way, famine and plague are not uh, a rock group. Okay? Famine means there's no food to eat. And plague means there's a lot of sickness going around. Fatal sickness. People are dying. Plague, okay? Some people right now are just about over COVID and starting to worry about monkeypox. Ah! Well, unless you behave like a monkey, You have very little to be concerned about. That's all I'll say about that. God says, the city's going to be handed over to the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you said has happened, as you now see. In other words, Lord, you can see that I wasn't making up that stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm not crazy. You said the Babylonians would attack, and they're there. Okay? It happened just like you said, God. And now, though the city will be handed over to the Babylonians, you, O sovereign Lord, say to me, buy the field with silver and have the transaction witnessed. Okay, God. God. I'm just asking, can you see the incongruity here? Do you recognize where I would have some cognitive dissonance? Do you understand why I'm having a little trouble with this? Now, I want you to notice, he's asking this question after he has obeyed God. Here at the ranch, in your student handbook... One of the things that you are told is if the authority figure tells you to do something that's not sinful, you are to obey. And if after you have obeyed, you want to ask, I'm sorry, but why did you ask me to do that? Why did you tell me to do that? Why did I have to do that? Why did you call on me? You, if you want to ask After you've obeyed, that's fine. But when the authority figure tells you you need to do this, and your response is, why should I do it? Ah, Now we have a different problem. Because what you're saying is, you're not in charge of me, I'm in charge of me, and I'll do what you say if it makes sense to me. If I think it's reasonable, if I think it's fair... But it's very possible that I know more about this situation than you do, and so I want you to justify your directive before I decide whether or not I'm going to do it. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of anybody who has ever failed to live up to the standard in the student handbook, but I will tell you this, that's in there for a reason. Because the way you respond to the authorities that God places in your life is training you in how to respond to the one who is the source of true authority. The reason we want you to learn to trust and obey is so that as an adult, you will be practiced the trusting and obeying God. God. Now, anytime we talk about this, I try to be sure to remind you, no one has the authority to command you to do something that God forbids or to to forbid you doing what God commands. If some authority figure in your life, Whether it's somebody here at the ranch, or a police officer, or a military officer, or the U.S. government, or a parent, or a grandparent, or whoever it may be. If anybody tells you to do something that you know God says is not okay, they have no authority in that situation. You do not do what they say. Because they are not God. If the government tells us that we cannot meet for worship, the government can go collapse somewhere. Because they have no authority to tell us we can't meet for worship. If the government tells us that we have to lie. So how would the government tell you to do that? By compelling speech. Telling us to call males female. Telling us to call females male. We are this close to the government mandating speech. Right now, the government simply does that in the military. I'm telling you, no one has authority to command what God forbids or to forbid what God commands. But, If the authority is commanding something that God doesn't command, you need to obey. God doesn't say, don't do that. But the government says, don't do that. Did God say, I have to do that? No, he didn't. It's kind of like if your house parent says, well, it's time to go upstairs and get ready for bed. And you're thinking, I just, I just want to finish this. Does God say you have to finish that? Would you please tell me I have to finish this? No, just obey. Life is so much better when we just obey. Jeremiah obeyed and then asked questions. You see that? So, two things I want to emphasize from this passage. The first was, even to a man who listened to God and obeyed God and risked his life to obey God and was suffering in prison because of his obedience to God, sometimes gets a message from God that he doesn't understand. Sometimes God will tell you stuff, and because he has full knowledge and we have partial knowledge, it just doesn't make sense. I don't understand. Why would he say that? That doesn't seem to fit with what I know. God told me this, now he's telling me this. It's not a contradiction. God will never contradict himself. But it's something that in light of this, I don't understand this. That's well, because you're not God. I'm not either. Jeremiah heard the word of the Lord, did not understand it, but then, as is always the case with God's word, it happened just like God said. Jesus told the disciples, You go into town. And you will find the colt of a donkey tied up as you go in. You untie it and bring it to me. And if anybody asks you, what are you doing? Tell them the Lord needs it. And they'll let you go. And the Bible says, and it happened just as God said, just as Jesus said. Over and over and over and over and over and over from Genesis to Revelation, everything happens just like God said. Because you and I are kind of trapped in this linear time, and so we we can look down there and kind of get a glimpse sometime of what we think is on the horizon, but you see, God sees the whole thing from beginning to end. He knows the end from the beginning, and he's working out all the details, to bless his people and bring glory to his name. And so Jeremiah knew God had said this and he was in prison for sharing faithfully what God had said. Now God's saying this and it's like, really? I think God's saying this, but man, that doesn't make sense. But then just as God said, verse 8, then... Just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came to see me in the courtyard of the guard and said, buy my field at Anatoth. Then I knew. This is the word of the Lord. So he did what God told him to do. He obeyed. And then he went to God with his question. He didn't say, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's really weird. (laughs) I mean, God was right. My cousin was coming, and that happened just like God said. But you don't really want me to go through with this, do you? Yeah. He did what the Lord told him to do, even though it didn't feel right, even though it didn't make sense. And after he had obeyed fully exactly what God told him to do, Then he went to God and he said, okay, please, help me out here. And God said, how dare you question me? No, God didn't say that. God said, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? And if you read the rest of that chapter, you will find that god says at the verse 42 this is what the lord says as i have brought all this great calamity on the people on this people so i will give them all the prosperity that i have promised them once more fields will be bought in this land of which you say it is a desolate waste without men or animals for it has been handed over to the Babylonians. Fields will be bought for silver, and deeds will be signed, sealed, and witnessed in the territory of Benjamin, in the villages around Jerusalem, in the towns of Judah, and in the towns of the hill country, of the western foothills, and of the Negev, because I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord." Okay, but God, that's going to be a long time from now, and I'll be dead. Why did I have to spend my money to buy this field? Because God said, I wanted to provide an object lesson that there is hope coming. But couldn't we just tell them? No. I told you to show them. I told you to behave as if there is hope. In the future, I told you that that money isn't yours. Everything is mine. And it is to be used in obedience to me for my glory. And you are to use what I have entrusted to you in the way of silver in order to buy the land that I am entrusting to you. And you won't be around to see the results. But meanwhile, You are obeying me and giving glory to my name. You're backing up what you say. Christian, we are called to live based on the hope that awaits us. We are called to spend, give, invest money not based on what's going to happen in the next month, what's going to happen in the next year, What's going to happen in the next 10 years? You and I are on our way to our father's house. We're on our way to our father's house. And he has promised not only that everything is going to be perfect there, he has promised that he will take care of everything we need for the journey. But if I spend this money on a real estate deal, I could end up... Um you know, uh, sh- short on silver. Oh, poor God. God would have to say, oh, I didn't see that coming. Sure, you're right. Um, I, you know, I, I, I told you there was going to be disaster, and then I told you to spend this money, and now you're stuck with a piece of real estate you can't really use. And, and I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I'm so sorry. I should have seen it coming. You're going to need that silver. God begins his answer to Jeremiah by saying, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? You see, we behave so much of the time as if, you know, well, God has enormous power, but I, I really need to carry this load for him because, you know, I mean, you know, God may not have thought about this. God knows how many hairs are on top of your head. Before a word is on your tongue, God knows what you're going to say. Don't ever worry about stuff. Well, we have to be responsible. Yes, and the most responsible thing you can do is to say, What would you have me do? God, what do you want? Because I'm yours. Everything I have is yours. Everything. Not just earthly possessions, but relationships, my family, my time. My talents. It's all yours. And you know what? Sometimes in that context, God will ask you to do things that you're not comfortable with. Jesus wasn't comfortable with going to the cross, nothing comfortable about it. But guess what? He did it. He did it. He said, Father, if there's any other way, please let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So I I, I certainly uh, hope I'm not going to be crucified. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. When Jesus met with them after his resurrection, he showed his disciples his hands and his side. Jesus, showing them the wounds in his hands, said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Now, he doesn't send us on our own. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That means God himself comes to live in and through us. But don't expect... To be obedient to God in this life and not have some wounds to show for it. Let's pray. Father, often we don't understand but you know all things and nothing is too hard for you. Thank you that we don't have to know it all. We just have to know you. Thank you that you are completely trustworthy. Help us to rest in your grace. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.